Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. episode 42 of the big show and i can't wait not because it's episode 42 of Sorallo sports talk but because it's week one of the nfl season a new nfl season i don't care what your christmas music says this is the most wonderful time of the year and we're here after a long off season after an incredible draft with five quarterbacks taken in the first half of the first round let's talk about those quarterbacks I mean, three of them are going to be starting for their respective teams week one, including one humongous surprise. We'll get, of course, to my best bets of week one in the NFL season. The Serralo pick six is going to return. It's my six picks against the spread, plus my extra point, my underdog money line winner of the week. Hell, because it's week one, or because it's not yet week one, I'll throw in my future bets, the best plays, I think, in terms of win total over under in terms of who you should put money on to win their division to make the playoffs to win the freaking Super Bowl we're gonna get to all of that but we've got to start in Foxborough where a week ago the New England Patriots shocked the football world and cut Cam Newton the former MVP Cam Newton the former 15 and one quarterback Cam Newton the former NFC champion cut before he even got a chance to begin his second season, maybe his first season with some degree of normalcy surrounding COVID, obviously still a very real and serious issue, but I'd be shocked if this season is as dramatic as last season in terms of game cancellations and postponements and rescheduling. Uh, I mean, Cam Newton did not have a full, normal, fluid season in the New England Patriots system to work with, and before he got that opportunity, he was cut for the rookie, the national champion, Mac Daddy Jones. You all know, if you listen to my show, I am not a fan of Mac Jones. I think he is going to be yet another quarterback to win a natty title at Alabama under Nick Saban. Post 13, 14, 15 wins in a year, get to the NFL and flounder. And maybe his preseason performances have dictated otherwise, but maybe guys like Matt Flynn, have had great preseasons before and done nothing when it counted. You know, I'm not ready to anoint Mac Jones, the next Tom Brady in Foxborough. It seems Bill Belichick is. And of course, he'll never come out and say that. There's one Tom Brady. He's got more rings than all 31 other NFL teams. Actually, now all 32 other teams since he's got one in Tampa Bay. It it would be asinine for anyone to make the comparison. But Mac Jones is clearly viewed as Tom Brady's long-term successor cam newton was not cam newton was a band-aid a short-term fix in the eyes of belichick and the rest of the new england patriots organization and that's really unfair and really shitty to cam newton i mean look life's unfair right i'm not going to sit here and say cam newton played at a pro bowl caliber level last season he did not he threw more interceptions than touchdowns 10 picks to eight touchdowns if if i recall correctly he was not the 
Pro Bowl, once MVP caliber quarterback he has been in the past. But in the short term, when you are a franchise like the New England Patriots that expects each and every single season to at the very least make the playoffs, which now is harder. You know, they can't expect to win the division each and every year. They're playing with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills who all of a sudden have ascended into elite team status right up there with the Chiefs, the Packers, the Buccaneers. I mean, the Bills are elite. So the Pats can't expect to win the division, but bet your ass Bill Belichick expects to at least, especially with the expansion to seven teams, make the playoffs each and every season. And I don't believe that right here, right now in 2021, Mac Jones puts New England in a better position to do that than Cam Newton would have, especially with the lack of wide receiver options that he's been provided. Nelson Aguilar, for all intents and purposes, is his wide out one in Foxborough. I think a veteran, a savvy veteran like Cam Newton, who has won, who has made it to a Super Bowl with his best wide out being Ted Ginn, I think Cam gives you a better chance when you're working with limited weapons than Mac Jones does. Because Mac Jones, if none of his adequate, I'll, I'll use a Richard Sherman term here, if none of his mediocre at best wide receivers can get open on a route, Cam Newton can run the ball. He can improvise. Mac Jones, first off, he's a rookie. He, he's more susceptible to getting flustered than Cam Newton. Secondly, he's nowhere near as athletic as Cam Newton. Even with Cam Newton's limited throwing power and throwing ability at this stage in his career, he's a more athletic quarterback than Mac Jones. And hey guys, wake up, it's 2021. Athleticism can win you a quarterback job. Taysom Hill ain't John Elway. Yet, even though Jameis Winston, deservedly so, rightfully so, beat him out for the starting quarterback position, he was considered because of his athleticism. Sure as shit, not because of his arm. Cam Newton puts the New England Patriots this season in the best position to win, lining up under center in the shotgun, however you want to call it. Cam Newton should have been their guy, not Mac Jones. Mac Jones is going to struggle, and it's not going to be a long-term struggle that, you know, all right, he starts hot, comes out, rookies, guns a-blazing. No, Mac Jones is going to struggle this week, week one. I mean, Mac Jones is not opening up his season, his career against the Miami Dolphins of years past. Can we remember that this is a team that won double-digit games a year ago? Can we remember that this is a team that missed the playoffs by a hair last season? That went from five wins to ten wins? That had arguably the best coach in the NFL last year? Now look, I don't think Tua Tagovailoa is the long-term answer. I've said it. I'll be the first to say it now. I've been on it for about a year and a half. I was one of the few people saying Justin Herbert should have been the draft pick ahead of Tua. But Tua, at least right now, is better than Mac Jones. And the Miami Dolphins right now are a better team than the New England Patriots. I know the Pats have gotten a lot of key players on their defense back who opted to sit out a season ago. And why wouldn't they sit out, right? They just lost Tom Brady. They sure as hell were not winning a Super Bowl last year. I totally get the option to sit out the season. And some of those guys are back. And they're still not as good of a team as the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have one of the best defensive backfields, one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Why are you starting a rookie quarterback against a team with one of the best secondaries in football? A team that can easily pick him off two, three times in his NFL debut. Talk about a confidence killer. And on top of that, 
for the next car on the train of things that I can't understand for the life of me, Mac Jones is favored in this game against a superior team. I mean, I just don't get it. I know he's at home, but that's all he's got going for him. He's got no receivers against some great D-backs. He's got a depleted offensive line. Now, they might actually be a better offensive line than they were a season ago, but they're nothing compared to the offensive lines that Tom Brady had to work with. And the Dolphins have a pretty ferocious defense. I mean, you've got Christian Wilkins applying pressure up front, and you've got Xavier Howard ball hawking in the backfield. You've got Nick Needham, who I think is a budding star, one of the best and definitely one of the most underrated nickelbacks in the league. I mean, who's he going to be lined up against? I bet you can't even tell me because this Patriots receiving core is just so damn bad. Now, they've got two really good tight end options. Jonu Smith coming over from Tennessee, Hunter Henry coming over from the Chargers, and that's great. Their two tight ends are both probably top 16 tight ends. But then arises the problem of sharing the love, spreading the wealth. And I think Cam Newton would have been much better equipped to do so. I think Cam Newton could have utilized those tools, those weapons, or the lack thereof in a much better way off the bat than Mac Jones will be able to do. Because like I already said, if all else failed, Cam Newton could pick up that ball, put his head down, and run for it. And he could still do so. Even at his age, even with his injury past, Cam Newton is still one tough guy to tackle. Mac Jones, from what I've seen, he's had great protection, had amazing protection at Alabama. First round, second round picks all over that offensive line. Mac Jones goes down like a ton of bricks. Saw it in the preseason. Saw it against the Giants, my Giants. Mac Jones is not Cam Newton when it comes to athleticism. And he's got the better arm, but I don't think he's the more equipped leader, the more equipped general just yet to lead the Patriots to any sort of success. So go ahead, maybe. Maybe that's a little hint at one of my bets for my Serralo pick six later. I love this Miami Dolphins team against the New England Patriots week one. I don't love Mac Jones. You know who I do love in terms of rookie quarterbacks? Justin Fields. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Matt Nagy, who deserves all of the flack, all of the heat that's come his way over the past couple of years, I think Matt Nagy, as much as I love Justin Fields and think he can step in right now and be a stud, I think Matt Nagy's handling this quarterback predicament better than Bill Belichick. Because when your team has something to play for, when your team can win now, I think the best thing to do, even if you have a rookie quarterback who can be a star, is to let him sit four games, eight games, a full season a la Patrick Mahomes, and let him learn, let him take his time. That rookie season is more likely than not, not going to make a difference in terms of when things are said and done, that rookie being a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, if Patrick Mahomes was rushed out there as a rookie and he flopped and his confidence took a hit, could be a totally different situation than the no doubt surefire Hall of Famer we talk about now when we talk about Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact he's only been playing three of the four years he's been in the league. I mean, how about that? Been in the league four years, he's already signed a contract worth half a billion dollars, and we already know Patrick Mahomes is going to be a Hall of Famer. I think Justin Fields has... Hall of Fame superstar potential. I think Justin Fields has the potential to be the best quarterback in this draft class. Sorry, Trevor Lawrence. Sorry, Zach Wilson. But I think Justin Fields not starting week one is absolutely 1,000% 
the right move. You know, look, Justin Fields is going to have to face tough defenses, right? His time's going to come. He's going to get hit and he's going to get hit hard. In fact, he got hit hard in the college football playoff semifinal last year against Clemson. He had bruised ribs. I believe he had fractured ribs. And he still is such a bulldog. It's such a tough guy that he went out there and turned in a career performance on one of the biggest stages in college football. Justin Fields is legit. But if you look at the Bears' schedule to start the season, they open it up week one in Los Angeles, taking on the Rams for Sunday night football. They're going to get crushed. Week two, they come home. They play a Joe Burrow-led, potentially sneaky, undoubtedly fun Cincinnati Bengal team. Now, either way you chalk it up, that game could be a toss-up. The Bears should win, so it's easy to say you should be playing Justin Fields in that game. But let Andy Dalton get the start. Let him play against his former team because week three, you're at Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns. Some people are calling them the second best team in the AFC coming into this season. So the Bears realistically, best case scenario, are going to start 1-2. and two, Could even start 0-3 to start the season. Why would you do it to Justin Fields? Why would you start his career like that? When week four, they go home to Soldier Field and host probably the worst team in the NFC, the kneecap-biting, espresso-drinking Detroit Lions led by Dan Campbell. I mean, that's the perfect game to open up a career in. Home game. Your fans already love you. Your fans already want you. They're screaming for Justin Fields in Chicago. If he comes in and the team's 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh I mean, imagine if he comes in there 0-3 oh and, and he leads them to the first win of their season against a divisional rival. Even though we all know the Lions suck, they're still a divisional rival. I mean, he's going to be a hero day one. That's the game you start his career in. And then week five, they go to Vegas. And I'm not saying that's a cakewalk like the Lions should be, but it's still a winnable game. You're setting him up for success. You're setting Justin Fields up if he starts week four, which is absolutely when he should, to begin his NFL career 2-0. and And look, he'll have his rude awakening because if he's playing by then, by week five, week six, well, then he gets to play the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the San Francisco 49ers, who are healthy this year, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who despite an anemic offense have an incredible defense, and the Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens, all in a row. <laughs> I'm not saying that we should take it easy on Justin Fields. What I am saying is that give him a confidence booster before you throw him to the Wolves that are five straight games against five teams expecting to make the playoffs. That's how I'm saying a rookie quarterback should be handled. Now, not all of them should sit. I think that Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields should. I think Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson starting week one is totally appropriate because they're playing on teams that have nothing to lose. They are expected to have a learning curve. They are expected to lose games, which Trevor Lawrence is not accustomed to doing, and ultimately to fail. I'm not saying the Bears are a playoff team. In fact, I think that they are far from it. But last year, they made the playoffs. The New England Patriots, I don't think they're a playoff team. But they're expecting, as an organization, to make the playoffs. Something that the Jets, something that the Jaguars are not expecting. 49ers, totally different case. They had an awful year, plagued by injuries. Then they traded up to draft Trey Lance at three. But do not forget, this is a team that two years ago was in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo who I think is a mediocre at best quarterback, but nonetheless, they made the Super Bowl with Jimmy G leading the team. So Trey Lance not starting, fully expected. Justin Fields not starting, 
I agree with. Mac Jones starting, I disagree with. And disagreeing with Bill Belichick can be a dangerous thing, but right here I'm going to do it because I think Cam Newton should have been New England's QB1 to start the season. When we come back, I'm getting into my future bets, and then, yes, the long-awaited return of the Serralo Pick 6. So stick with me, Joe Serralo, right here on Serralo Sports Talk. Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. All right, it is time for my final word here on this episode 42 of Serralo Sports Talk. And man, do I have a final word for you. I've got my future bets for the upcoming NFL season. I've got my playoff teams laid out for the upcoming NFL season and the highly anticipated return of the Serralo pick six coming right up. But let's talk futures, right? Let's talk some bets that you can get in now at the last minute before the season officially kicks off. You know, I've got a division winner parlay for you that at plus 450, I think is a can't miss. It's the four teams that each made it to their respective conference championship games a year ago. It's the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC East. It's the Kansas City Chiefs to steamroll their way through the AFC West. The Green Bay Packers to dominate a weak NFC North. And then the Brady Bucks. The Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win, frankly, without Drew Brees, a competition-less NFC South. Those four teams... To each win their respective divisions, you parlay them together, you get it at plus 450. I love it. I need it. I'm putting the house on it. Those four teams to each win their divisions. Now, let's look at some over-unders, right? I've got some good values here. With the new 17-game season, I don't think the bookmakers have caught up to the new 17-game scheduling. In fact, I'm seeing a lot of win totals that I would like in a 16-game season this year for the 17-game slate ahead I like the Chiefs over 12 and a half wins at favorable odds plus 105 I think that's something you can bank on Kansas City winning 13 14 15 games I mean this is a team that is shooting to go undefeated this is a team that wants to go 20 and 0 I mean you're gonna tell me that they won't go 14 and 3 12 and a half give me the over plus 105 now Opposite the AFC West, I've got two overs in the NFC West that I love. One of them is a recurring pick for me. It's a team I made money on at over nine and a half just a season ago. And yet, some way, somehow, their over-under win total is once again nine and a half. Russell Wilson, a top five quarterback in the National Football League, you can argue Second best quarterback in the league. I mean, you can argue fourth or fifth, but any way you slice it up, he's top five. The Seattle Seahawks with that dynamic offense. DK Metcalf coming into his own. Tyler Lockett. You're going to tell me the Seattle Seahawks over under is just nine and a half? Odds are even. Take the over. Give me the Birds, the Seahawks, over nine and a half wins. And then in their division, in the NFC West, the LA Rams. The Matthew Stafford 
led LA Rams. You heard my shows at Radio Row down in Tampa Bay ahead of the Super Bowl this year. That dominated Monday and Tuesday that week. Matthew Stafford going to the Rams takes them from a playoff team to a team that can not just make it to the Super Bowl like they somehow did with Jared Goff, a team that can win the Super Bowl. Yet they're over under. It's only 10 and a half. Hammer that over. Enjoy the plus 120 odds. Consider it a gimme that the Rams are going to go at least 11 and 6. Take the Rams over 10 and a half plus 120. And for my future of all futures, my Super Bowl winner, where do you put the money? Do you look for value? Do you go predictability? Well, I'll tell you this. In the NFL, it is exciting, but extremely rare that a team with a bye week, or at least in the new playoff format, a top two seed doesn't make it to the Super Bowl. Every now and then it happens, but it is extremely rare. And after losing the Super Bowl a year ago, after answering a ton of questions on the offensive line that, let's face it, that was the lone reason the Kansas City Chiefs lost the Super Bowl. Their offensive line was a joke, abysmal. Patrick Mahomes ran almost 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage in that loss to Tampa Bay. So the Chiefs, with a fixed offensive line, are going to come back and win the Super Bowl this year. They're going to go to their third straight. They're going to win their second out of three. And just like my division winner four-team parlay, you're going to love, enjoy those plus 450 odds. Are they the lowest odds of all Super Bowl winners? Yes, they are. Are they the most realistic? Yes, they are. Grab the Chiefs plus 450 to win the Super Bowl just like I did. Now, before the Sorallo pick six returns, let's talk playoffs. Let's talk playoffs. Because I've got seven teams from each conference for you that you can bet on if you want that I know are going to make the playoffs. So let's start with the division winners. The Chiefs, they're going to be the one seed in the AFC. They're going to win the West. Behind them, everyone's saying the Cleveland Browns might be the second best team in the AFC this year. No, I think it's a team in that division. I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. I love Lamar Jackson. Lamar's got receivers. Mark Andrews, the birthday boy, two days ago, got his paycheck, became the highest paid tight end in the history of the league in terms of annual salary. He's Lamar's favorite target. You throw in receivers there. The Ravens have an O-line. They've got a pass rush. I mean, this Baltimore Ravens team, everyone's talking about Cleveland. And that's when the Ravens do their best work, when nobody's talking about them, when everyone's doubting them. Give me the Ravens to get that two seed. I'm sorry, Buffalo. I love you, Buffalo. You're going to get the three seed. You're going to win the division. It's a tougher division this year. While I think the Patriots made the wrong move in terms of their quarterback, their defense is better. The Miami Dolphins are a year more experienced. They're a young, talented team. It's going to be a tougher year, Buffalo. I think the Bills are going to come down to earth a little bit, but I think they're still a dominant team and they're going to be the three seed. And then the Tennessee Titans are my four seed. I just can't get on the Colts. I love Frank Reich more than anything. I really do. But I can't trust the Indianapolis Colts. I don't trust Carson Wentz. I think his best years are behind him. His best year in the NFL, rather, is behind him. Plus, I'm sorry. But you've got a team whose best players are getting COVID. Quentin Nelson has landed on the COVID list. Carson Wentz has landed on the COVID list. Darius Leonard, who you just made the highest paid interior linebacker in the history of the game, refuses to get vaccinated. You know, Chris Ballard, the GM, wants his team to get vaccinated. I know Frank Reich wants his team to get vaccinated. But your star players just don't 
get the damn message. And it's going to come back and bite them. And when I say star players, I mean Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard. Carson Wentz is chopped liver. Plain and simple. Carson Wentz is not the guy. I love Frank Reich. I know the two of them had incredible chemistry together in Philly. Carson Wentz is not the guy. In fact, forget winning the division. Indianapolis is missing the playoffs. Because my wild card teams are the Cleveland Browns. The Miami Dolphins, who, I mean, if you couldn't tell from the beginning of this episode, I love the Miami Dolphins. They missed the playoffs a year ago by a hair. That won't happen again. And then my seventh seed is a team that has killed me so many times in the past, but I think is really ready to take the next step. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. It's Justin Herbert in year two. So far, it looks like I was spot on about Justin Herbert being taken over Tua in the draft two drafts ago. He looked amazing as a rookie, rookie of the year for a reason. Derwin James can be one of the best defensive, not safeties, one of the best defensive players in football if he's healthy back there. I think the Chargers make the jump. I'm out on the Colts. I'm out on the Steelers. I'm out on the Denver Broncos. I don't understand the Broncos' love. I definitely think Bridgewater gives them a better shot to win than Drew Locke, but I don't figure this Broncos' love this season for the life of me. So instead of wasting time, let's flip over to the NFC where the Green Bay Packers are once again going to be the top overall seed. Do I think the Green Bay Packers are significantly better than they were a season ago? No, but I was low on them going into last season and all they did was win. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have come out and declared this season their version of Michael Jordan's last dance. I mean, you've got Rodgers and Jordan. You've got Devontae Adams as his Scottie Pippen. I've got no reason to doubt that Aaron Rodgers is going to come through. The reigning MVP, the guy who wins the MVP the year his team drafts his successor, I've got no reason to doubt him. The Packers are, once again, going to be the top overall seed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, however, will be the two seed. Unlike that wildcard team that worked its magic a year ago, and I know I just said usually the teams in the Super Bowl are ones and twos, Tampa was a wildcard team. But they were unlike any other wildcard team in the history of the game. That was a Tom Brady team. And this year, without Drew Brees in New Orleans, they're running away with that division. They're going to be the two seed. Those LA Rams that I love to win more than 10 and a half games, I've got them winning the NFC West. All the Rams needed was a quarterback. Jared Goff was not the guy. I mean, I don't know how many times I could say it, how many shows I've spent on it. Matthew Stafford is that dude. He makes throws that Patrick Mahomes makes, but doesn't get on SportsCenter because he played for the damn Detroit Lions. Now that he's in LA, where he belongs, to show off his talents for the world to see Matthew Stafford's win in the NFC West. And trust me, it hurts for me to pick against the Seahawks and Russ Wilson to win that division. I pick that team almost every year. I love that team. But that's how strongly I feel about Matthew Stafford elevating this Rams team to a Super Bowl contender. They're my three seed. My four seed is my New York Giants. Look, I'm from Missouri on the Giants still, the show me state. There's still more to be seen, but anything can happen in the NFC East. Why am I not picking the Washington football team to repeat? Well, Fitzpatrick just had a great year with the Dolphins. Their defense is top five in the league. Chase Young, I said it when he was drafted, he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. He's already a stud. But in the NFC East, teams don't repeat as division champs. They just don't. And so I'm on the Giants because you can rule the Eagles out. And the favorited team to win the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys still don't have a defense. And last year, with no defense, the Giants put up 
over 30 points on Dallas early in the season in a game that they lost. And then they handled Dallas the final week of the regular season. I just don't think this Cowboys team is all that people are chalking them up to be. I think Dak Prescott's incredible. I think C.D. Lamb is ready to make the jump. But if you're losing games every week, 42 to 28, then that high-powered offense means nothing. I think Dallas absolutely flubbed the draft this year. I don't think Micah Parsons, and this is being said as a Penn State fan, I don't think Micah Parsons is going to make all the difference in the world on that terrible, horrendous, borderline historically bad defense from a year ago, especially in the secondary. I mean, the guy's a linebacker. That secondary is atrocious. And you know Dallas crapped their pants when the Denver Broncos drafted Patrick Sertain because he was their guy. When Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn, who jumped Sertain, who the Panthers took, which was a phenomenal pick, with the two of them off the board, Dallas lost the first round. It's why they traded back. It's why they helped their divisional rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, because they didn't know what the hell to do. I'm out on Dallas. Everyone's out on Philly. And for the simple rule of no repeating, I'm out on Washington. And that leaves my New York Giants, who have a sneaky good defense, who have one of the best running backs in football, who have this year one of the most dynamic all-of-a-sudden receiving cores in the league, that leaves those Giants to win the division. But they'll only do so if the offensive line and Daniel Jones take the next step necessary to win that division. It looked like they were taking that step in the second half last year. You know, this is a team started the year 1-7. and seven, They finished the year 5-3. and three. If they pick up where they left off, the Giants will win that division. Now, my wildcard teams in the NFC, huh? The West. I'm going with the NFC West. I'm going with history to be made, an entire division to make the playoffs. And I'll give you the order. It's Seattle as the second place team, the two seed. It's San Francisco, who I believe with Seattle will win double digit games. It's easier now in a 17 game season. They'll be the third place team in the NFC West, the sixth seed overall. And then this last one boiled down to not the Vikings, not the Falcons, but the Arizona Cardinals, and the New Orleans Saints. And I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals here because I think Kyler Murray will have another Larry Fitz-type receiver in A.J. Green now that Larry Fitzgerald is done. Seems like he's retired. I don't believe he's officially done so yet, but not on the team this season, taking a break at least from the NFL. Without him, A.J. Green steps in to resume that role, not in his prime anymore, but Kyler Murray's got DeAndre Hopkins for that. He's got Christian Kirk. I mean, the Cardinals can be one of the most fun, explosive teams to watch in the NFL. Their defense, J.J. Watt, again, passed his prime, yes. One hell of a compliment to Chandler Jones, though. I think that the Arizona Cardinals, despite a last-place finish, if they go 9-8, and eight, somehow 10-7, and seven, are making the playoffs in what I think is a really weak NFC. I don't see the NFC East having two playoff teams. Like I've said, I'm out on Minnesota. I don't buy into Atlanta. Why? Because I buy into Atlanta every year and they let me down. So I'm going with the NFC West to have all four of its teams in the playoffs. Now, what about week one? Let's get into my Serralo pick six. I'm starting off not with Thursday night football because I've already got the Buccaneers as part of a teaser. To take them minus eight would be irresponsible to me. So I've got the Bucs minus one and a half with game that already happened. I took Notre Dame, teased it down from minus seven, which lost, to minus one, which won on Sunday night. So if the Bucks win by two, your boy's a winner there. 
But what about on Sunday? What about on Sunday? Let's start with the San Francisco 49ers. Minus seven and a half. I'll never do it. I'll never advise you to do it. So don't be a cheap fuck. Buy the game down to minus six and a half and walk to the bank with the 49ers minus six and a half in Detroit. Game two, I'm going with another road favorite, another NFC West road favorite, the Seattle Seahawks. Minus two and a half in Indianapolis. Look, I already laid out every reason why I'm not a Colts believer. Give me the Seahawks to win it by a field goal against the quarterback in Carson Wentz, who point blank can't put up points. Give me another NFC West team. This time a road dog, the Arizona Cardinals, plus three in Tennessee. Look. I have the Titans winning the division. They could very well win the game. This could very well be a push for me, but the numbers don't lie. The Tennessee Titans are one of the worst covering teams in the past five years in September. One of the worst covering teams on opening week. And I think the Cardinals are just too much fun to not make this one a close one. And that's what plus three calls for, a close one. The Cardinals can win it two on the road. Give me Arizona plus the three. Green Bay. The last dance, the last chance, whatever you want to call it for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, it kicks off in Jacksonville against the New Orleans Saints. Now look, I love Jameis Winston. I really do. I might be one of the few people out there with a microphone who's willing to say it, but it's still Aaron Rodgers and the freaking Green Bay Packers we're talking about here. The number is minus four. It's a neutral location. The number could be minus six. And I would take Rodgers and the Packers here in Jacksonville over the new look New Orleans Saints. Give me those Rams. That's right. I'm betting on all four NFC West teams to cover in week one. But just like the San Francisco 49ers, buy it down. Take the minus 130 odds and buy it down from minus seven and a half to minus six and a half on Sunday Night Football and give me Matthew Stafford to be an old divisional rival with his new team Sunday night week one Rams minus six and a half against the Bears how about Monday night to round out my Serralo pick six Monday night football in Vegas SoFi Stadium it's first year with fans it's going to be a fun place to watch a football game it's going to be even more fun to watch Lamar Jackson and the Ravens run all over the field no J.K. Dobbins no problem because Lamar can throw the damn ball too and I'm tired of people saying he can't minus four and a half seems generous for a Ravens team that's going to march into Vegas and win by double digits on Monday night. And for my extra point, my upset of the week. Come on, guys, you saw it coming. It's the Miami Dolphins. Talk about a team I think can win by double digits. This is a two and a half point underdog that I think can go to Foxborough and kick Mac Jones up and down the field. Something that maybe should have been done to him more when he was at Alabama. Give me Brian Flores's tough Dolphins team to spoil Mac Jones's career opener and win. That's plus 130 on the Dolphins. Give them to me. And just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. And make sure you keep your eyes out for plays and parlays. That's right, plays and parlays, a new show I'm doing. I'm double dipping, getting together with my buddy Jarrett Bailey, Steelers writer for Sports Illustrated. And we're doing a show every week, every Wednesday night, live. It'll air on Twitter. The audio will be on wherever you get your podcast the next morning. The recap of the video live show will be on YouTube afterwards. Only football betting, Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern. Keep your eyes peeled for that, I know. 
just when you thought you couldn't take any more of me, now you're going to have to listen to me, have to watch me twice a week. Guys, I'll see you on that show later tonight. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.